Hello and welcome to the Liverpool Way podcast. We're just days away from the start of the new season, which kicks off on Sunday with a visit to Chelsea. After a summer of discontent and upheaval, each of the lads will have their say on our prospects for the new campaign, whether we can bounce back from the disappointment of the last season and begin the process of forging a second great team under Jurgen Klopp. As well as looking ahead to Chelsea, we'll also discuss our transfer business thus far and whether to expect more incomings or another of the familiar long cons from the ownership. I'm Chris Smith and I'm joined by TLW editor Dave Usher along with Ian Brown and Dan Thomas while the rest of the team will chime in with their predictions for the new campaign. I'm Ben, someone's going to tip us for the title. Dave, strange season this. We've entered each of the last maybe, I don't know, five years expecting to be right up there and challenging for the title. But we're back to a little bit of the unknown, really. The mood, the mood among the fans is pretty downbeat, to say the least. There's a ton of unanswered questions around the team and the, the, the direction of the club as a whole. How are you feeling going into Sunday? Not great. Uh, not specifically about Sunday. I mean, anything could happen there. We don't really know what Chelsea are. You know, it might be the best time to play them. It might be a bad time to play them. We, we'll find out on Sunday. But um, more so, I'm more concerned about what happens beyond that because... Uh, we've done two pods on new signings. We we done like a third pod when Hendo and Fabinho left. I don't think any of us thought we'd be in this situation a few days to go before the season kicks off, and we haven't got a number six. I mean, that's like just it's negligent. I mean, it's just not acceptable. You've got Klopp talking about temporary solutions, maybe McAllister plays there, and it's like I'm just pulling my hair out. I'm like. McAllister playing there, okay, you can do it. You know, he's a good player, he's versatile. You could put him there and he'd do a job. But there's your midfield plan, fucked straight away. You know, the plan is like we've got the two new lads who are going to play like further forward. Well, now McAllister's not playing further forward. He's going to be playing number six unless they put Curtis there, which is not a good solution either. Not not for like Chelsea away. I mean, there's certain games where you can play Curtis in that position and he'll be fine, but you don't really want him playing there against anyone decent um so the, the solution that we've got for sunday like what there's no holding midfield player how have we got to this position i mean all the talk about like the, the kid from southampton and we keep going in with like fractionally higher bids each time and keep getting told to fuck off by southampton it's embarrassing like the way we're carrying on but I mean, this has gone on for months. We were getting linked with that lad way before Fabinho left. It's not like this is a reaction to Fabinho going. It's like, okay, now we've got to go and get like a holding midfielder. We were in for him way before that. We've been getting linked to them since the very start of the summer. Fabinho going makes that more important. You know, it's it's more urgent for us to get it done. Not that you'd know by the way we're carrying on, but like, it's just it's mind blowing that we're, we're going into a new season, supposedly. This was a summer of rebuild, and we've signed two players. And not just that, we've signed two players. Look who's gone. You know, okay, we knew certain players were going to be leaving. Ox, Cater, uh, Milner, Bobby left. So we knew about that. We knew those players were leaving. And that's part of the reason why it was like, okay, so let's go and get like some midfielders in because we're losing midfielders. So we get the two players in, which compensates for losing Milner, Ox, Cater. And then Fabinho and Henderson go. So how are we any better off? We're actually worse off right now than we were when the season ended. We've got a worse squad now than when the season finished. Now, people might argue, well, no, because the two players we've signed are upgrades on anybody who left. Well, maybe so. But the squad that ended last season, you had Firmino in it. You had Henderson. 
and Fabinho, who all played a significant number of games last season. Well, we've lost three players who contributed last season. Okay, you can argue about like just how much Henderson and Fabinho um, contributed, but they played a lot of games. So you've lost them. You've lost all the backup players. And you've only signed two players to come in. And but this is bear in mind, this is like we were told, albeit like unofficially, when we when we pulled out of the Bellingham deal, the reasons given by all like the the, the local reporters who were all fed this from the club, we were told we can't go for Bellingham because Jurgen wants to use the money to sign four or five players. He realizes what a big job it is now. What a, uh, we've we've been so poor this season. We know it's like we need a big rebuild, and we can't afford to just go and spend a load of money on one player. We've got to spread it around, strengthen various positions, and bring in four or five players. And look where we are. We've brought in two players. I mean, it's just not acceptable. And even if by some miracle before the end of the window we actually go and get like another two or three players it doesn't change the fact that they've left it this late when Klopp was wanting everything done before pre-season so you know get the players adapted get them ready for the first game we've basically written off August if we bring those players in and they're not ready to play we've written off the first month of the season for what? Why did they not just do these deals earlier? Why are we still scratching around now to get these deals done? Because we could have got Lavia, we could have got him Southampton's position's not changed. It's like 50 million. That was the start of the summer. That's what they were saying. 50 million. It's still 50 million. And we're still going in with, with like low ball bids that they're not accepting. Now, you can say he's not worth 50 million quid, and maybe he isn't, but that's not really the point, is it? It's like if that's the player that he wants, um, and, and they're prepared to, to offer 46 million quid for him, if you're offering 46, why the fuck are you not just paying 50? just to get it done now four million quid's a lot if you're doing like a deal that's like 12 million you know if you've got a four million difference over a 12 million pound player that's something that you're going to haggle over but if you think he's worth 46 why would you not think he's worth 50 just just do the deal we got 50 million quid for Fabinho and Henderson leaving so there should be like no issue with can we afford this deal or not we should be able to with like without even batting an eyelid we should be able to go yeah there's your 50 million let's get him in before pre-season starts get him ready for the start of the season and and what are we doing we're still just fucking about with like low ball offers at Southampton are just like not entertaining it's just so frustrating it, it, the summer has just been it's the longer it's gone the more pissed off I've got it started off quite promising and it's just fizzled out into absolutely nothing and now it's just doing me head in Brownie I mean the the, the Lavia situation could change in the next couple of days, but obviously, as Dave says, that's um, it's not going to be any comfort to us in, initially going into that Chelsea game without uh, you know a recognised defensive midfielder. Presuming we do do some other stuff, like how do you feel about how things have gone so far, the players that we've signed, and how we can sort of line up against Chelsea in terms of using this new system, having Trent a little bit further forward, uh, the new look front line, all of that, all of that kind of stuff. Firstly, agree with everything Dave just said. Um, I don't want to repeat a lot of it because I think we're all feeling very similar to that. Um, go, one thing I will repeat though, because it needs repeating, is going into that game on the weekend without a recognised number six. It's just unbelievable. Like, it's unbelievable. You can't do that. Like, what, what are we expecting to, to happen? Like, everything you do, the moment the season ends, 
when you're building up to a new one is all about that first game. That's what we do. We always hear them talking about, we've got to be ready for that first yeah. day. And then he's sitting there talking about, oh, we'll do something temporary and then we'll deal with that later. That's just fucking not good enough is the first point. Now, the, the thing that frustrates me about it is a few weeks ago, a few of us were chatting about how we think we're going to go. And at that point, I was like, I think we'll finish at least second because I assumed we were going to go and box off a six. I think uh, regular listeners know what I thought about Fabinho back in the last season, and it wasn't a very popular opinion. So him actually leaving, I don't have a problem with. I thought we needed to upgrade on him, especially with this new system, because we've, we've always known that he can't really run. That That's something he couldn't do. He, he compensated for that by being really good at reading the game, but I think the change of system really, it's some, it was the final nail in his coffin, really. He was always going to go once we changed that system, and I thought he did have to go, which had no problem. But you can't let him go if you don't have somebody who you're going to go and get straight away. That That's a massive problem for me. And I don't want to go over old ground with Bellingham, but I'm going to go over old ground because we were told that we didn't get him because we couldn't afford him, basically, because we had to do this big major rebuild. Now, we went for, what, 100 million? 89. It was 89, yeah. wasn't it? Plus well, I, I looked on Transfer Market today and it suggested 103, so that's probably all the add-ons and everything. Look at the market now. You've got Declan Rice, who's gone for 105. You've got that Caicedo, who Chelsea are haggling to try and get, and Brighton won 100 million. That's the market. That's the going rate for that kind of player. That It just is. And if you're a serious big football club, that's what you do. You go out and identify who you want to buy. You look at the market and you get the best player. But we're scratching... Now, Lavier, I actually, from what I've seen of him, I like the look of him. I think he's going to be a good player. But we're scratching around trying to look for value again, which is to me is just a big problem and it sends out the wrong message, especially when you think about what we were told a couple of months back. Going back, going to what you said, though, Chris, like there are positives. I mean, you can't take an awful lot from the pre-season games. I know that. But we look electric going forward in them games. We've scored a lot of goals. But then on the flip side, the concern would be around how many goals we've conceded and we how we look a little bit tactically. I'm a bit concerned about the the new system because we've seen time and again, even last night in the game, we're really easy to just beat with a ball over the top. Like We saw it, I think, in the previous game before that as well. Teams just dumping the ball into the space that Trent vacates when he goes into midfield. And concern I've got a little bit going into this season is that it could go one of two ways. So I was using that new system towards the end of last year, it could be that we've had time to adapt to it ourselves and we make little tweaks, which means that we're ready to go. But on the flip side, it could be that we've shown our hand early and everybody knows exactly what we're going to do and that they can already work on it to counter it. So the big thing for me, mate, would just be uncertainty. Like, I I, yeah. I don't know what to expect going into it. Like, normally you've got an idea, haven't you? I remember this time last year, I had an idea that we were going to challenge and we were going to go close. I didn't think we'd quite do it. Nobody predicted the fall off that we'd get. I remember having a go at you. I know, I know. You said we'd be second. Are you going to apologise for that, by the way? Yeah, I am. I'll officially apologise for that now because I slaughtered you for saying we were going to finish second. I was calling you a shithouse for months, wasn't I? Yeah, yeah. (laughs) But honestly, like I can't remember the last time you went into a new season and weren't predicting we were going to win the league. That tells you everything about how the last couple of months have gone for me. And well, I, you don't know. It, you don't know what I'm predicting yet. I haven't. I yeah, haven't made the official predictions. <laughs> Based I might on just your, do it to your spite you now. <laughs> <laughs> um, so yeah, the, the, the big word for me. I mean, you said it yourself in the start. Um, 
Chris, there's been a lot of upheaval. There's a bit of discontent about. For me, I just it's uncertainty is the word for me. Like I don't know what to expect. I can see good signs, which you know are things to cling on to, but there's also massive question marks and things to be concerned mm-hmm. about. So it's all going to yeah. come out in the wash. Yeah, Dan. For me, I think this summer has sort of been quite tough because it's just been the just the constant bollocks that we've been subjected to and and the the hendo stuff has really taken it out of me as well like i'm just looking forward to actually watching the game now and come what may like it's perhaps do you think perhaps like not having the pressure of us going out and having to win every game from the start to be in contention for the title actually might make it a little bit more enjoyable maybe and watching this new team grow the ups and downs and just them figuring it out Oh, taking the pressure off is always something to. <laughs> no, we'll leave that in that we'll, we'll leave that in last season. <laughs> we'll leave oh, that in last season. Um, no, no, was actually no quite scared me. <laughs> um, you're right, Chris. Expectations are a lot lower this season. No arguments, no disagreements. Uh, how low or how high they go, I think we've still got what three weeks of the window left. We could feel differently in, in three weeks. Personally, I don't think I'll feel too different. Um, what we've done so far, I, I like the plays we've signed. Uh, I was I was at Deepdale last night, so I got to see McAllister and the lad whose name I'm not even going to pretend I can pronounce. Go on, have a go. Um, have a go, Dan. How is Don Corleone pronounce it? Sublasi. Sublasi. Come on, I can't, I can't pronounce and do an impersonation. Call him Dom, Dan. Yeah, Dom looked, they, they both looked good. I was particularly impressed with McAllister. I thought his, the way he dropped into space and his appreciation of space was very good. So I, I like what I see. I just feel that we've spent all summer being Harry the Bastard from bottom and like haggling. <laughs> and Southampton wants us to haggle upwards. And we're like, no, we'll still give you £1.50 for him. You know, it's it, it's been that kind of... And it's it's the the frustration with the transfer situation, and I completely get what what Dave and Brownie have just been saying. You know, we were sold. We're not getting Bellingham because we're signing four or five players, and we've signed two two very good ones. But we've had the distraction of Henderson and Fabinho, and I I get why there may be some delay in the transfers because whilst Henderson might not have been playing week in and week out this season, he would still have been playing quite a bit. And Fabinho was probably not on the menu to be sold this summer, unless an extraordinary offer came in, which it did. We got our money back for a 29-year-old player who we've definitely had the best years out of. So I can understand why we might be thinking we weren't expecting to be these two lads down. But what we should have done is moved quickly with what we were going to do. As as Dave's already said and as Brownie's already said, we've been chasing Lavier all summer. You know, he, he looks like he's got a lot of good things about him. He's very inexperienced and very raw. And should we be paying twenty nine million? Sorry, fifty million for a twenty nine year old? No, I'm talking bollocks. Should we be paying fifty million for someone who has played twenty nine games in the Premier League? Arguably not. But as we've all said, the market has changed. Liverpool are trying to do two thousand and nineteen transfers in twenty twenty three when the market has changed. We need to change our strategy. Go and get um, some kind of some some business done, but. Ultimately, I think one of the things that we'll probably come on to in a bit, and I'm not singling out the director of football, but you know we've been taking the Mickey recently, you know, because he he lives, you know, he, he lives in Ibiza and he, he's travelling to Liverpool, you know, and we're posting pictures of him at rave ups and you know, how many times is he visiting the all inclusive in a week and all this kinds of stuff, you know, like 
what's, the lack of movement is for me is spilling onto the pitch. I'm not particularly excited about the, the start of the new season. Don't get me wrong, I do think that we've got a really tricky start. I don't think Chelsea and Newcastle away in our first three games is a particularly helpful start either. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's kind of dampening my enthusiasm. Chelsea's not a place we historically do too well, although Jürgen's record there is quite good. And I think, I'm, I think I might have said this last season myself in, in a, a Chelsea podcast. Um, so, yeah, the long, the long and short of it, Chris, is it's been a weird summer. We've had a lot of upheaval, not all of it expected, and I think that's kind of caused a bit of drag on on our on our movement in the market. But we should have been ready to go if such and such a thing goes. We should have had a succession plan, and it looks to me like we didn't. It doesn't help that the director of football is only on a one-year contract as well. So, Dan, you know what he needs to do? He needs to go to Southampton and make them an offer they can't refuse. <laughs> <laughs> well. Uh, I mean, you stole my thunder now, Dave. There's not not really a, a lot I can say there. And another thing that's concerning me as well, Chris, ahead of Sunday, which is kind of dampening my enthusiasm, and I shouldn't do this because we can't really control what other teams do unless we choose to sell to them, but I'm looking at Arsenal and Chelsea and Newcastle and to an extent United. They're getting shit done. They're, they're getting the players they want signed, although Chelsea are, are turning into Harry the Bastard themselves over... Um, Caicedo with Brighton and fair players of Brighton Brighton and Southampton have every right to get the price that they want for their yeah. players they've signed long contracts I've got no arguments with what they're trying to do I know I know it's not something that like Monty will be listening mm-hmm. to this now seething at Southampton having the temerity to want 50 million for the lad that they took a punt on last summer and they have the sell on clause as well um, I have no no issues with what, what they're trying to do but other teams are getting their stuff done I mean, Arsenal have been up the Champions League for what is it, ten years, and they've spent good money on on good. But Arsenal I think are gambling, no, Dan. I they, think that's I saw true. Something whereby they are taking risks to do it. Now, I'm not saying that's wrong to do that, but they are taking risks, which that's is true. ironic, really, because that's kind of the comments Cop came out with not too long ago, where he said he'd like it if we would take more risks ourselves. And of yeah. course, I also, I also read the other day that I think I, I saw it on that Sky Sports show with Carragher and Gary Neville, the panel show that Arsenal's wage bill is like 150 million quid a year less than ours. So, yeah, you know they they do have the ability to spend more money on transfers than us per per year. With that in mind, it certainly, well, yeah, but that would be an old wage bill. Think of Plus how we, much we've we got like now. we've got about 50 million off that, haven't we? With players yeah, exactly. gone, and as well, I could take that a lot more. But when we was at our very peak of our powers, when we were winning the league in the European Cup, we weren't solidifying our status and going for for the top top transfers. When we won the European Cup, we signed Harvey Elliott and uh, Adrian. Uh, Now, that's no disrespect to to Harvey Elliott. It is disrespect to Adrian who can't stand, as we all know. um, No, I can't can't help it. Um, What happened to the goalkeeper's union, Dan? I know. um, my goalkeepers don't give the ball away against Atletico Madrid in the Champions League last 16 round. How do you do uh, it um, against Sony? <laughs> <laughs> no comments. Oh man! All right, fair enough. But that he makes a good point, Dave. That then that the frustration around not seeing us get our targets is only sort of emphasised by watching everybody that we're supposedly going to be competing with get yeah. their business done in a pretty sharpish way. Yeah, and Spurs are just and that centre back that we were linked with, uh, Van der Ven. Now, whether we wanted them at any point, who knows? But we were heavily linked to them. Nothing came of it, even though we actually we do need a left-sided centre-back. And he's ended up at Spurs. So it's going to be interesting to see if he's any good. Because if he is, 
you know, it's just another another knock against us, isn't it? And it's you know, going back to Lavia though, something like everyone's just going on, get it done, get them signed, pay the money. And yeah, I get that, but also like I feel like people are just overlooking like the the, the fact that whatever Fabinho was last season, and we know he fell off a cliff and he, he wasn't great. For like four years, Fabinho was like arguably the world's best at what he did. You know, he was a massive, massive yeah. part in what we did. Brilliant player for us. Absolutely brilliant player. How how have we got to a point where we think it's okay to replace that player with a 19-year-old kid from a team that finished bottom and he played like 20-odd games for them? Now, this is not yeah. a knock on that kid in any way, shape or form. You know, there's, there's every reason to think he's going to go on to become, a, you know, an exceptional player. He may well end up in a few years' time. He might end up at the level that Fabinho was. He might be one of the best in the world. My argument really is that we should have been signing him as well as a Fabinho replacement. Because if Fabinho yeah. was staying and we were bringing in that kid to, to come in and play some games, learn from Fabinho, rotate the squad a bit, I like that. I like the idea of that. It makes sense. Fabinho goes, and then your solution to that is okay. Well, let's just sign that kid and just put him in. But do we, but do we know that that's the solution? Well, do we? Well, we, if, we, we, may, we that might still be else. the plan. We might exactly. So there might. It, it's still plausible that the fact that they think still want to get. Do you think that's I don't what know? Do? I don't. I no. just don't want to lose my shit over it until August thirty first, and then I'll lose my shit. I, I don't like, think we'll sign two defensive midfield definitely players. Definitely not. I, I, think, I think they. Right. I think they see Thiago as being the one who he's going to learn from. And don't forget, we've got Bat- Bacetic as well. However you say his name, like we're going to end up with three sixes. I don't think it's a numbers problem necessarily. There, I reckon the debate that the club had was whether to let Fabinho go or Thiago because don't, don't forget there was um, rumours about Thiago going back to Barcelona or even to Saudi as well so I think they were comfortable with letting one go and they've let the one go yeah. where they've made 40 million quid out of it so it makes sense in I that. think Thiago had no, no interest in going to Saudi though did he and Barcelona don't pay money for players and that's probably so, why they then yeah. said right Fabinho can go we'll get 40 mil and we'll use Thiago as the, the sixth to um, teach now, the young lads. But the you know, thing the is, if, if Thiago, by some miracle, actually stays fit for most of the season, we'll probably be all right. You know, it's not a perfect solution because, you know, he, he's not the quickest. He's, you know, I, I really like Thiago. I think he's a brilliant player and I do think he can play that the, the six for us. Certain games, I'd be a bit concerned about it, though. For the most part, it'd be fine. But, like, you're relying on him staying fit and he, at no point has, has he ever done that. So that's the problem, and then so then you're rotating two kids, um, you know, Stefan and and Lavia. You're looking at them too, and I just think I, you know, I honestly think the reason why we've just kind of backed out of this rebuild is because we're in the Europa League and they've thought oh, we don't really need to now. I think like this four or five players and really revamp the squad, get quality in, you know, get these like, you know, new legs in the team and you know move players out and. Just, just like Klopp 2.0 and all that. I think that was the plan. And then because we're in the Europa League, I just feel like they've gone, eh, it's all right. You that know. makes me feel worse about it. When those comments were made, we were nowhere near qualifying for the Champions League. Like yeah. It was highly yeah. likely. And we, de- and we then got closer. So I don't think that's the case. But when you, I read, think that- when you read the comments, though, like how it was written at the time, like all the journalists who wrote that, all referenced, you know, Liverpool may not make the Champions League. It's been a disappointing season. They weren't saying like 
that you know they're going to be in the Europa League. I just think they were still thinking, you know, maybe we sneak in, and if we do, we're having to play two games a week, high quality opposition. So you're looking at like Mo, Virgil, Trent, probably playing two games a week, and the the strain on the squad's going to become like quite intense with injuries and that. And I just think now they've maybe looked at it and gone, you know what, we'll just play our first eleven every weekend. And everybody else can just play on the Thursday night, and they probably think they don't need as many players. Based why on why pull that. out of the Bellingham deal then? Because you would think rather well, than do the pulling rebuild, out of the Bellingham deal, it. we've we've done this to death, but now it just looks blatantly obvious that, that they just knew they weren't getting them because everything just points to that now. That like because all the reasons that were but given he was at doing the time, selfies with Trent. I know all the reasons that were given at the time for why we pulled out have all been proven to be absolute bollocks. Oh, the transfer fees like 135 million. Nope. You know, it's, so it wasn't that. Oh, well, we need the money to buy four or five players. Well, nope. It's not that either. So what is it? What What's the reason? It might be though, because there's still three weeks left to go in the window. So mm, it's not going to be. And the other reason as well that was given was we don't want to wait around. We want to get our deals done early, and we can't afford to hang around all summer waiting on Jude Bellingham. <laughs> And miss out on the players we want. These are the reasons that we're oh. given, and it's not—it's not like press bullshit either. Because the lads who wrote it all wrote it at the same time. They were all clearly like speaking to whoever the contact is yeah. at the club that gave them it. That line came from the club, and everything that that they wrote at the time has been proved to be absolute bollocks. The reasons why we didn't go for Bellingham. So we haven't gone for Bellingham either because they knew he was going to Real Madrid or because they looked at the wages and thought, eh, we're not, we can't pay those wages. Why they didn't just say that at the time instead of coming out with all of this other bollocks about like four or five players don't want to wait until like late in the window, we want to get everything done early. You know, it's it's laughable when you look, at, you look back on it now, you look at what was written. You know, like Terry posted in the chat the other day, Andy Hunter's piece in The Guardian at the time, and just reading back through it now, it's fucking jarring. You read it and you're like, oh my God, this is what they were telling us at the time. And look at how it's played out. Major rebuild. Oh, (laughs) there's all sorts in it. It's like major rebuild was one of them. Dortmund won 135 million plus add ons. You know, that was in there. Um, Overhaul of the squad. Um, The club's hierarchy believes their resources should be spread elsewhere. Well, spread where? We've signed two midfield players instead of one. (laughs) That's <laughs> like basically it. And got instead, loads of wages. Instead off. of signing Bellingham, we've signed McAllister and Zobosley. And it, it, this was the other bit as well. I've got it. I've got it here because I, I took some notes because this just needs to be read out. First time for everything. I know. Yeah, this is how pissed <laughs> off I am. I've actually taken notes. Clark has told the club's owners, Fenway Sports Group, to move swiftly on transfer deals, having lost out to Real Madrid in pursuit of the midfielder Aurelien Chiuamani. I think I've got that right. Quite pleased with myself there. Mm. Um, A drawn-out battle for Bellingham's signature would increase the risk of other targets moving elsewhere and Liverpool accept they cannot afford to miss out on several alternative options. And some of those options were like Mason Mount, uh, the, the, the names they, Wolves, that they were given and fed with a load of balls as yeah. well, weren't they? When you look back at it, Gra- Gravenberch was still getting linked to them even now after all this time. After we walked away from that, now he's like another one who we're getting linked with. You know, then there was like, looked like we were getting Kone and Turam at one point, then nothing came of that. Van der Ven, you know, it's I just don't know what's going on. It's the a whole shit thing is, it, it really it is, is a shit show. Really is. I think that's what makes it difficult in the fact that we, we just don't know, right? We don't have that insight into what their thinking is. And you, you kind of desperately want that, Dan, in, ter- in order to be able to 
plausibly like understand it and see where they're coming from. You, you want that insight that we just don't have. Yeah, and it, it does feel like whatever the plan was changed and the plan has not altered since. It's like, okay, we've sold Fabinho and Henderson, now what do we do? And it's 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 jarring. It's in complete disarray compared to where we were certainly two years ago. If, if we'd had this kind of Saudi um, sports washing a couple of years ago, um, it would have been sorted. Michael Edwards would have gotten the target sorted and the deals would have been done. Click, click, done. No arguing, no messing. Um, and I don't want to point the finger at either the sporting director or, or Jürgen, but Jürgen's got more control now and... It feels very strange to me that we're gonna we had this all singing all dancing Bellingham deal, which, I, I, as you all know, I didn't for one second think we were signing Jude Bellingham because I don't think that the owners want to pay the level of transfer fee or wages that it would have taken, and I would maintain that with any player, um, even if they had the chance to sign Mbappe, I don't think they would because he just doesn't fit Dan, the profile. That, that's fine, but. If that is the case, and I'm not saying it's not the case, but if it is, we wasted 12 months. Absolutely. And, and uh, that's who's that on? Whose fault is that then? Wasting 12 months on a player who we were never going to go for? Well, is it a combination of people? Is it's it collective? You, yeah, it's yeah, all you, of them. You can't, you can't blame um, the, 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 the director of football because he wasn't in, in, in position. But you've got to look at Jurgen and the owners. And it just feels to me like there's a lot of scratching on, on the heads. It feels like a Kevin Keegan bench. You just need Kevin Keegan stood with his arms folded at the front of all this mess, looking very confused at what's going on. Because that, that's how I feel. A club that has had such a clear and competent and bold strategy for about seven years has really, really regressed this summer. I think we missed a trick last summer by not signing a midfielder. And if Dortmund didn't want to sell Bellingham, then there's not a lot you can do about that. That's to where the German clubs were, one in, one out. The and we missed out on that too many thing as well. Like Yeah, we can't do anything about that. If Real Madrid come knocking, you're generally missing out because it's Real Madrid. As infuriating as that is, that's just the, the way it is. And we, we, we all accept that as football fans. We should, it shouldn't be the way it is, but it is. And Schwemeni, um pronunciation pending. Um, Good, you know, bad, it, bad. He, he probably regrets going there because it's not worked out for him too well. Um, and I, I would would be interested in taking a look at him if he became available. Who knows, may, maybe come the end of the window we'll look to get him on loan. But well, that's even, a good point though, actually, Dan. Like, I mean, if, if Real Madrid are going to go for that, like, try and get that Mbappe thing sorted, then they're probably going to have to free up some money from somewhere. So there's, do you think that there's any possibility that we are sort of monitoring that and that could be our, that could be the midfielder that we get him, albeit a year late. Aggressively monitoring, that's a very Liverpool thing. Yeah, we're great at that. <laughs> yeah. Um, <laughs> it's like the old, um, people's ears will burn here, the old Rafa saying, this is a club that likes to talk and talk, this is a club that likes to aggressively monitor. Um, yeah. It wouldn't surprise me if, if we did, but even last summer there were holes because we ended up with that, that Arthur dipshit. And he did, yeah. did, he pl- did, did he play a game for us apart from in the um, twelve minutes away yeah, yeah. at Napoli? Yeah, there you go. He played twelve minutes at Napoli, and he played. I think it was at Rochdale, wasn't it? Um, so that was a complete turkey of a signing. I would more lean towards us making a loan signing like that at the moment, 
um, than someone like Shuameni, who, who who would be brilliant. He might be available on the cup price transfer as well, because as you say, Chris, um, if you wave a shiny player under Real Madrid's eyes, um, they will probably do everything they can. There's also a, a player there by the name of, of Valverde, who, um, as you all know, I'm a big fan of, who I would be much happier to take off their hands we should he be wouldn't. available. Yeah, yeah, I think yeah. I don't think any any of us would argue against that. But to me, that doesn't fit the profile of player we want to sign. We it feels to me like I, I don't think we know what we want, and I think we've just been caught so out off guard by Henson and Fabinho doing. And how can we be off guard though? I, I it know. took weeks for them deals to yeah, actually happen exactly. as well. It's not like they went within three days. You, exactly. Weeks. You, you're right, and that's what makes it so surprising. And I think as well, I understand um, that maybe we were just expecting the Saudi money to be phony. You know, I I get that, and there was also haggling over Henderson because they thought we were going to let our club captain walk away for nothing, even though we've, he had two years left on his contract. Um, how dare we want to transfer fee for our players? So th- there was all that going on. But as 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 you just said, it was not an instant thing. It was not uh, like over and done within a few days. It was protracted. It was drawn out. Fabinho even came back to train with us, if you remember, yeah. because that deal looked like it might mm. collapse. So. What are we doing? I, I I don't I don't get it. I don't understand what we're trying to do or what we're driving towards. If it, we we will sign Lavia, I am pretty confident of that. We've yeah. gone up to forty six million again. Like we're 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 getting this haggling thing now. We're getting close to what Southampton wants. At some point that that will give. And this is what Jules has been saying for the last week. If we pay fifty million for him, like Southampton have stuck to the guns all along then that is also negligence because we have had the whole window to come to this realisation and pay the money for Lavia. That would have get Lavia in, we could have a look at him, get him set up, get him used to the system, get him used to training and Klopp is notoriously difficult to get used to in training. It took Robbo a while. Um, you know, it, It's not unheard of. Fabinho as well. Ox. They weren't getting in the squads until October. So... If we get this kid now, and it, as Brown has already said, he looks like a really talented kid. If we get him in now and he's not ready to go, that is negligence to the extreme by the club. And I, I'm not blaming anyone. It's a collective. The club have failed here with with this transfer. And like we've got, as I said, we've got three weeks. Things could change. As it stands, I I don't see us making the signings we need. I would argue that we need two midfielders. Of a defensive nature, and um, I think we need another centre half as well, personally. But I don't think we will get we'll get Lavia, and I think that will be a lot. And the club will say, "Well, we've spent um, 60, 50, 110, um, we've spent we've spent one hundred and forty five million this summer with not much coming in, although we've we've got the Saudi money coming in, obviously." So. Uh, that doesn't wash with me, with me. We needed a big spend to get us back into the Champions League and reboot and refresh, which we, we all agreed that we needed. And I just feel like that whatever we do now, unless we go out and get centre-half A and Valverde or a player of that kind of calibre, it's, it's not going to be a successful window. I like what we've done. I just feel like there's a lot more to do and I don't think we're close to what we needed to do. Just a quick point on that, though, you know, about Chermaini. Because uh, I did see something the other day that we're looking at that in case the Mbappe thing comes and he becomes available. 
and that's all well and good but that goes directly against what they said they wouldn't do you know this it's like you do not wait for players like that you, if when you've got needs then you've got to address them but that's what the mistake we made with Bellingham why would we be hanging on in case Chiamini becomes available now if they know for a fact he's going to be available and they're keeping the powder dry and they can get the deal done fair enough but if you're just waiting around on the off chance that you well we'll pull the trigger if that you know if he suddenly becomes available I just think that's a mistake you can't we're not in a position to be doing that so I think that's I don't think that's going to happen, but if it does, okay, you know, good player, it'd be a really good sign. Is he corners. even a six though? I uh, thought he was a bit more of an eight. I think he's he's both like really. a traditional eight um, from what I've seen of him. Yeah, but, I think he could do it, but yeah, I don't know. I think they're after a particular type of profile of player, though, aren't they? It's like a destroyer who's able to get round the pitch and distribute the ball. That that looks to be what they're after. It, it um, just yeah. it blows my mind that we've not gone for Tyler Adams. 20 million release clause exact type of profile for that position he'd be perfect I know he's injured at the moment so but it's not stopping Chelsea from going for him is he yeah. but he's injured quite a lot yeah that's the concern for me is he or has he just had that like last injury that's ruled him out for a while I don't know no, someone posted something on the forum about it the other day and it is it is quite a lot He's yeah. missed a lot of games, but you know, you know, how I feel about that. I really like the kid, and yeah. it'd be, I think it'd be a really good signing for us if we were able to. I mean, the last thing we want is more injury-prone midfielders, really. Um, yeah, but we we love <laughs> like a former Red Bull player, don't we? And, and we love a release mm-hmm. clause, so I mean, he ticks those boxes. Yeah. No negotiations there, Dave. We can just put yeah. in our bid. There's no need to try and like yeah. haggle downwards, like by about. We don't, we don't have to get IB for George on the case, do we? We can just meet the fucking release clause. Yeah. <laughs> and and that's all it. he's done so far. That, that's all he's done so yeah. far. You can subscribe to the Liverpool Way podcast on all the major platforms, whether it's Apple, Google, Spotify, Amazon or Podbean. Just search for the Liverpool Way, leave us a review and hit subscribe to automatically receive all new episodes. You can also head to liverpoolway.co.uk and grab a TLW season ticket for just £3 a month. There's tons of exclusive content including match reports from every Liverpool game, weekly Premier League roundups, the TLW diary and access to the members only forum. Lastly, you can follow us on social media at the Liverpool Way on Twitter and at the Liverpool Way TLW on Instagram and Facebook. For me, I think, like I've tried to play devil's advocate a little bit for the last half an hour or so and just sort of present the alternative case. But one thing I can't do is like, like what the fuck is going on with that dickhead? Like he just looks like a fucking, like I had him fucking pegged <laughs> from like go. minute one. He just looked like a fucking fat slob, <laughs> like from a different era, from a, from a fucking Harry Redknapp or Barry Fry era of football. <laughs> like he just looks like a fucking absolute knobhead. And, you know, nothing has really happened so far to to disprove that. He's we're just carrying them. He's a fucking joke, and like Dan, you mentioned <laughs> that um, Jurgen has has maybe like consolidated his power. If that's the case, like perhaps it's perhaps it's too much power. Like perhaps it was good to have that that more balanced approach where he did sort of listen to the analytics guys and he listened to the sports science guys and he was on board with the the strategy and Michael Edwards had fucking power to decide what the strategy was going to be in terms of signing players and Klopp said I know this is the strategy and I operate under it now he's just appointing one of his mates who like you say is living in Ibiza living it up and has 
what do we know that he has done so far? Like both of the signings that we've made have been release clause signings that didn't require any negotiation whatsoever. One of them has already said, like, oh, I was mo- as soon as I was linked with Liverpool, I was monitoring it because I wanted to. I wanted to come here. A lot of players say that, whether that's true or not. You know, McAllister was well, Julian that- Ward did that. Yeah, McAllister was done before yeah. he came in, right? Yeah, so Julian I'm fucking... Ward stayed on after his, his leaving date to get that deal yeah. over the line. I'm fucking. I'm sick of the sight of him already, and I've only seen him about ten times. He looks like a rolled doll character. He's a fucking joke. <laughs> like I want one of those. I want one of those. Um, like those those fucking those guys. They're sharply dressed, young, slicked back hair. A money like, ball type. You know, yeah, Billy. Bean. Yeah, 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 exactly. You don't a want like a relic CEO. from. Bring the geeks One of back, fucking Jürgen's mates who we haven't heard of, you know, he's just a fucking bummed around the German. He's like our Ralph Rangnick, basically, isn't he? He looks like yeah. a homicide detective who hasn't been to bed for about four he days. Stole my, he stole like... my, my thoughts there. That's exactly what I was going to say. Yeah. But he looks like the, a private detective who used to be like a <laughs> homicide, yeah. but he was kicked out and now he's divorced. Right. He's, he's got an alcohol problem. He yeah. stinks of fags. And like, he, 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 that's exactly what, when the first time I laid eyes on him, that's what I thought of. I was yeah. like, oh, no, this is this doesn't seem right. If I lived in Ibiza, I wouldn't go to sleep for four days either. Yeah. <laughs> what's he doing in, what's he doing in Ibiza anyway? He's a fucking 55 year old man. Like what questions does that raise? Him just dossing about in Ibiza for the whole summer. Is he clubbing it or what? I don't know. I don't, I don't know, know what's but going on. as some, someone with a long, who has long had an ambition to move to to Mallorca? Uh, I think I, I can understand why he lives in Ibiza, but I'm not too sure why he's uh, flying to Liverpool because he's not doing much negotiating, from what we can tell. Yeah, he was on the phone yeah. last night, apparently. Spotted. Oh yeah, he, he was spotted. He was spotted on the yeah vaping at half time on deep deal. Someone went out of the way to mention that. Yes, our new director of football is working very hard. He's come probably all the way to Preston. Pizza. No, he's probably <laughs> talking to the pool cleaner, wasn't he? Make sure yeah. that's all he's they're going to get back. <laughs> He's not a dirty vapist, is he? Yeah. That so, just lowers my opinion of him even more. <laughs> like, so, is there anything so's weaker? Is, so's Klopp, Is he? Yeah. Klopp, I thought to, Klopp was on the fags. He's trying to cut them out, though, isn't he? Okay. For me, like, if I was going to be weak enough to be addicted to nicotine, I'd be on the fags because the vaping is, like, the lamest thing that anybody's ever done in the history of the world. Like, I had a pretty low opinion of Big Jorg anyway, but this just, like, raises it to a whole <laughs> another level. Yeah, scratch what it says about him being like a, a private eye. Uh, you wouldn't get yeah. no like renegade private eye vaping. Just, no way. There's no, no way like Vin Mazakian from uh, Mikazian from The Sopranos. Like he wouldn't be on those pussy sticks. That's for sure. No <laughs> fucking chance. <laughs> pussy sticks. I'm just like directing my entire like anger. <laughs> my entire anger at him. <laughs> Fuck him anyway. And if you listen. <laughs> <laughs> Alright. Okay. So where I mean where yeah, we where, where we? You know, I'm lost now. You guys have gotta help me out for a change. I've done me big round. Okay, we've I think we've covered all like the, the transfer situation. I think we need to talk about like the, the tactical setup. Um yeah. I've watched yeah. A fair bit of pre-season. I haven't watched every minute of every game, but I've tried to catch up on bits I've missed. Um, the most most alarming thing for me, and Klopp keeps talking about it after games, is just one ball over the top and teams are just running through against us. Yeah. And we saw that loads last season. And then we changed the system and we were much better at a lot of other things. 
but I still felt like we were vulnerable to, to just that one ball in behind. And then all of a sudden you're relying on Alisson to bail you out. And it's been happening in pre-season as well. Now, there's, there's two ways of looking at this. The first is that it's pre-season. So, one, you've got tired legs. And two, they're not going to play at the exact intensity that they would in a game that actually means something. And you can argue that without that intensity that style is always going to cause us problems. We're always going to be a little bit vulnerable to that if the press is a bit off. But the goal like last night, that wasn't anything to do with the press. Like the press actually, like me and Brownie were talking about this today, like the press was pretty good in, in, in that game. But sometimes you're forcing the team to just hoof the ball because like, you know, you're, you're pressing them, they're panicking. The ball comes to a player, he knows he's getting closed down. So sometimes they'll just knock it over the top or just knock one round the corner. And you're wanting them to do that. But the problem is they're doing that and they're getting in behind. And it's like, well, people say it's like, you know, Carrick is always saying it. Lawrence was saying it the other night as well. They say, like they talk about like the defenders have got to drop off. And then people will go mad and say, no, that's not how we play. You know, we, we hold the line, we catch them offside. There's got to be like a happy medium, you know. There's, there's sometimes when, like, if there's a runner coming from the other half of the field, you're not catching him offside, and you've got to drop in and, and cover that run. And a lot of the time, we don't do it. We just stood there letting runners go, and you're not. No matter how quick you are, you're not going to catch them when they've got that run on goal. And Klopp keeps talking about it and saying we're vulnerable to like the ball between like the, the centre back and the right back. And it's not just about Trent or Canata either, because the same thing happens in the in the, uh, the Bayern Munich game when it was Gomez and I think it was Matip. Same thing happened. Like that that ball in behind was just undid, un, was undoing us every time. And like, surely it can't be that difficult to stop that because it's such a basic thing that like even shit teams can do that. You know, sometimes like you play against a really good team. And they'll score a goal against you, and you'll be like, you know what? I mean, what, what? What are you supposed to do to stop that? It's just ridiculously good. But when it's just like a ball over the top and someone running through, it's like, come on, you should be able to deal with that, but we can't. That's the frustrating thing for me. Like, now you, you have to preface anything you say about pre season with it's pre season. You can't make definitive judgments. All you can do is kind of have a little look and get clues about the style and, and you know, new players that come in. All true, but, but it was happening in competitive no, I, games at the yeah, end yeah. of last season as I well. I agree, I'm getting to that. And, yeah. and the, the, the problem there is, like from what you're saying, even against shit, I mean really shit teams a couple of games ago in pre-season, they were just getting in so easily. And then we get the ball and we're having to play all this intricate football to try and create a chance because they're obviously... yeah. Camped on the edge of their own box, closing the spaces as you'd expect. It's just too. How frustrating is it when you're banging away, trying to create a chance, and the other team just goes bang one ball, and then they're yeah. in, and mm-hmm. suddenly you're relying on Allison. That's like a massive worry for me. I'd, I'd, let, let's see whether that happens, you know, when we get the real stuff going. But that's not even that hard to plan for, is it? I touched on it Shouldn't when be. I spoke earlier. I mean, from an attacking sense, like if you're coming up against Liverpool, you're just going to hammer that space where Trent is because you know that you're mm. going to actually get. Um, something good coming from it. I think that the interesting point for me when I think about our tactical setup, and you mentioned Matip there, that buying game showed that you can't rely on him to be covering Trent's space. It needs to be Canate because he's the one who's got mm-hmm. the pace. He's got more chance of shutting it down. What happens if Canate gets injured and we know that he's injury prone? What happens then? Gomez what happens if Trent? Me. What happens if Trent gets injured? Is fucking Gomez gonna be an inverted fullback? I don't think so. 
So what no, are we going to do then? Do we go back to the four-three-three? What's the plan B? That's another big question. I know it is because you've had Costas playing there, like in in the preseason games. When Trent goes off, we've had Gomez playing like right back. Connor Bradley. Well, Connor Bradley got injured, didn't he? So like Gomez has played the last couple of games, uh, but Costas has has like been playing as like the inverted fullback and like well that's no solution so it is it's a valid question what happens if Trent's not available I mean we've this whole system is like to me it's like it's a hundred percent it's about let's let's get Trent nullify his weaknesses and let's get him on the ball and and like he's our best player let's put him somewhere where he can have the most influence so we've changed our entire setup basically to me it's because we've done it for Trent what happens like if God forbid Trent gets a bad injury and he and he's out for like a few months? What do we do then? Do we go back to, you know, like the the old four three three? I mean, I, I just feel like there's so many questions tactically about what we're going to do this season, and it is a concern. Do you think they have the answers? No, I think they they're just hoping for the best. Really, that hope Trent stays yeah. fit and that and just build the team around Trent. But if if you take Trent out, nobody else can do it. They can do it to to some extent in terms of if you've got an extra body in the midfield, but no one's going to do what Trent does because there's not another player in the country that can do what Trent does. So you can't really go out and sign like a backup for Trent, someone to do what Trent does, because it's not realistic to do that, is it? Why have they not just moved Trent into midfield and then gone four two three one? Because when you look at it, he's sitting in there like it's a double pivot in it. So if you're four two three one, you play him in there like permanently and go and get a right back. It's, it's a new fad though, isn't it? Like that City and Arsenal both play that way with the inverted fullback. I think Bayern Munich have done it in the past as well. This it is feels like, like we're maybe a little bit late to the. To yeah, it though, yeah, do you know what I mean? We're copying them, and it's kind of like they're going to move on from that, and then what are we going to do? Yeah, no, it does feel a little bit like that. Mm-hmm. In terms of the brainy, in terms of the tactical setup, like for years we've had this um, very, very functional midfield setup with, say, if you pick that peak midfield of Wijnaldum, Henderson, and Fabinho, that was that was very functional and did a job for the team. So Trent and Robert could get forward, and and the forwards could do those things as well. Like one of the things I am looking forward to this season is we've recruited two players who obviously add a completely different dimension to that. They're they're creative footballers who can who can do damage in the final third as well. Um, not only from the scoring goals perspective, but also from dead ball perspective, also from um, through balls and assists perspective. Like we've got Gapo who showed in in spells during that second half of the season how he can be. Uh, an excellent replacement for Bobby, intelligent, smart footballer. Like there are, I think there are certain things I'm looking forward to this year that could could bring us on to a new level in terms of our attacking play. Yeah, that's definitely the the kind of bright spark. But I I think we're going to score shitloads of goals. We're probably yeah. going to see a situation where we go back a little bit to the um, pre Allison, pre Fabinho, pre Verge days. Even though we'll have similar players now. I think it's going to be, we're just going to try to outscore opponents. We're going to have to, based on what we've spoken about with the concerns defensively. Um, the two midfielders I'm excited about, I think McAllister, to me, already just looks like a top player. He's a kind of player I love watching. He's busy, gets on the ball, puts himself about, picks a pass. He's dangerous in the final third. I think um, Sabosla is an interesting one, because the bits I've watched of him, he seems to float about doesn't really get involved in the build-up play a lot, but as soon as the ball's around the edge of the box, he comes alive. 
I can see him getting assists. I can see him getting goals. I think his set piece delivery is really good. Um, the front three for me in general look sharp, especially Diaz. I mean, some of the stuff he was doing last night, he looks ready to go. I know, Dave, you absolutely love Diaz, don't you? I've got more yeah. kind of question marks about the final product, like end product with him, but I'm expecting mm. a good season from him, I think. That'll come. Always going to do well. The question mark for me would be central striker. Um, My boy. I, I, I don't know, you know, because he's... he's he, well, he's been on the bench the last couple of friendlies, yeah. hasn't he? And I don't think he's going to start Sunday. I don't now. think he's going to start. And I was quite bullish the other week with you saying yeah. I think he's getting 25 to 30 goals. But he needs to be on the pitch, doesn't he, to do it? I do think he'll score goals. But he looks like he's behind Jota and possibly even Gakpo. He might even be third choice at this point. Um, Klopp so said again the other day, though, about um, defending as the ticket into the team. You made that point again. Yeah. And you think, I mean, Darwin scored like... He scored like four goals in one and a half games, um, and then he's had like he's come on like in the last couple. He played like half an hour or something, didn't he? But he was doing well, and then he wasn't starting. And Klopp said that about defending. So you think, okay, so it's to do with that still, you know, like the the pressing. Like obviously, Jot is really good at that. So it's gonna take a lot for Darwin to be able to match Jota with like the pressing because that's just something that's come natural to Jota. He's really good at it. Um, so, I mean, Gakpo in, in midfield again. I mean, that's again like he played in midfield the other night, and that's a bit of a red flag again to me. Where it's like, okay, this is yeah. because we haven't signed a six. Yeah, right. So McAllister has to come back, back and now right. Gakpo's got to come back. So you fucked up your forward line that's, that's and your attack on midfield, all because you didn't address that. Yeah, that's, six the, pro- position. that's the problem. Yeah. But Dave, we were talking towards the back end of last season about ways to get like for ways to get Gakpo into the team. Yeah. And that's that is conceivably a way that we can do it with his sort of like game intelligence and um, just his ability to 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 link up the play with other people. I don't think that's necessarily the worst idea in the world, especially in games in Anfield. If he can do but it, if he can do it, but yeah. I, I suppose we'll we'll have to wait and see, right? Yeah. I mean, Dan, for the longest time we had this settled forward line of Mane, Firmino, and Salah, and. Um, <clears throat> obviously that's you know two of them have gone one of them is still a mainstay but we've got four other players who can fulfill those roles now um am i right in saying all four of them are left-footed as well so none of them can fill in for mo really um right-footed so sorry right-footed they're all, they're right-footed. all right-footed yeah they're all right-footed they all play on the left but they're all right-footed okay diaz darwin right. joss is kind of two-footed really but is i think right is strongest and right, Gakpo, yeah. they're all right-footed. So what's, are you, are you so watching Dan, games what? in the mirror or something? <laughs> <laughs> uh, what I meant to say is that they tend to operate on the on the left. Yeah. Um, so, um, Dan, what's the front three that you're going with for Chelsea on Sunday? Um, I think you have to start Jota. I think he's looked quite sharp in, in pre-season. Uh, and as well, he finished last season quite strongly as well. If you know, the last season feels like a distant nightmare, but he, he, if I remember him finishing the season quite strongly, so I think he's he's earned his right right to start. Uh, I would say Diaz has looked really electric in in um, in preseason as well, and I, I think he he is a really really good player. I think we're a much better team when he's in it. Um, I. I I'm a, I'm a big fan of him, possibly one of the biggest in, in our WhatsApp group, to be honest. Um, 
but he, he is st- standing out to me and obviously it's more Salah he's, he's going to start so probably Diaz, Jota and Salah for me I would would say but then again you know, as, as Dave said Darwin looked good in pre-season and I, I'm a big Cody Gakpo fan so they're mm-hmm. unlucky to be missing out but I don't want to see Cody Gakpo, Cody Gakpo at the top of a diamond away at Stamford Bridge um, and if we do as Brown has already said it's because we've screwed up our transfers and that would be not acceptable. Mm-hmm. Dave, I think I was talking to you the other day and you, you suggested the same thing for that starting front three. Is that where you'd go along with as well, Brownie, or would you prefer to see Darwin or Gakpo in that starting eleven? I'd actually go with Darwin. Well, actually, if we had the six who was playing and then we could have uh, Sabosley and McAllister as the two, you know, number 10s in the box midfield then I would start Darwin because yeah. I, I really think those two are going to be massive for him. The fact that McAllister is going to be playing as a six, so he's he's not going to um, be in that position, then I probably would go mm-hmm. with Jota. But as soon as we get a six in, you know, whether it's Lavia or Thiago or Steph come into the team, then I'm putting Darwin up front with those two behind him because I, I, I just think he's going to feed off them massively. Mm-hmm. And none of you guys would none of you guys would be looking to find a way to get Gakpo into that front three because I think he was our most sort of like effective attacker towards the back end of last season. Uh, it's tricky because it depends what you're looking for. I mean, I'd play him through the middle, the, but, especially with those two lads who can get beyond. Well, Sobersly especially is showing he can get beyond the the front players a bit and get into the box and that. It depends what you want though. If you want him, and it may come down to who we're playing against and what we want to do. He's going to drop off. Darwin's going to run in behind. So if you want someone, if you've got like McAllister and Sobersley getting on the ball in those areas, do you really need Gakpo as well? Do you, do you need three players yeah. around that area? Or do you want two and then Darwin? So Or Jotter even, because Jotter will run in behind as well. Um, I do think it's going to be like horses for courses. But the only thing I'll say about Sunday, I wouldn't start Darwin on Sunday. And that goes against like everything that I've probably been saying for weeks. But I wouldn't now because I think in a game like that, I really like the idea of him coming on for half an hour. You know, you you have like another three. I'd probably start Gakpo in the middle, Diaz on the left, Salah on the right, and then you've got Jota and Darwin to come on because I just think with Darwin, there's going to be certain games where it's like on my signal, unleash hell and just send him on the last half an hour and just let him fucking cause mayhem up there but sometimes when he's starting depending on if we've not really got a foothold in the game it's I think like we might be better off starting with Gakpo just to keep the ball a game like that away at Chelsea I think like you know keeping the ball and having some degree of control is is going to be important Um, and then when the game gets stretched late on I think he's perfect for a stretch game so that's probably how I'd go on Sunday okay alright well we'll come back to we'll come back to Sunday in a little while do you want to Go with some predictions for the season then. Yeah, okay. Uh, yeah. I'm going to go, as things stand, like things can change depending on signings we make. As things stand, I think the absolute best we can do is third and I think that's probably not going to happen. I think more likely to be fourth. We're definitely not finishing above City. I'd be surprised if we finished above Arsenal. I'm concerned about Chelsea because although it's a bit of a basket case there, like if they did get it right, they've got a good manager now. If they did get it right, right. I think they've got so much quality. If if they got their act together, I think we'd have a problem with them. 
Um, not really. Not it could really be like an Aston Villa situation last season, but just on a higher sort yeah. of plane, really. As soon as they got a competent manager in, it totally transformed it. Yeah, so right. that is a concern. I mean, thankfully, like that, and Kunku's got injured, so they've, they've, they're back to having like no centre forward, aren't they? Um, who's going to play up front? I, I, have they got any other strikers? They probably signed three that I don't even know about. <laughs> yeah. sign that one. I, can, I can't keep up with them. And if they, if if they haven't, they may well do it this week before the probably game. The, uh, they probably would be, be like, oh, up front yeah, on Sunday. We've got an injury. Let's go and spend like under a million, get someone in. But uh, no, um, I think like they're a total unknown quantity. We don't know what Chelsea's going to be, but if they do get it right, I think we've got a problem there. Um, so we're looking at like I'm not worried about United. I, I I don't think they're I don't think they're they're much good to be honest. I think the manager's overrated. I think they've they've been like looking to crown him as like oh you know we've got a proper manager. No, I'm I'm not buying him. Um, Newcastle, I don't think they'll do anywhere near as well as they did last season either. So yeah, I think we'll probably finish fourth. But I think for us to to do better than that. We only really need to. There's like there's some like cheap wins that you can get really. So like stop being shit against teams in the bottom half. Like that that's a massive thing. Look last season, fucking the games where we couldn't even score against some of the dregs of the league. You know that's got to stop. We, we we've got to be able to find the back of the net against teams like fucking Forest and Everton, like shit teams like that. <laughs> You've, you've got to do that. You can't afford to be like struggling yeah. to score goals against them. You just can't. So, sort that that out. game at the back end of last season as well was the one at Anfield where we needed the last minute Bobby one. That was a frustrating one on that front as well. Yeah, it was. All I'd say there is like Villa were decent for the, the second half of the season, weren't they? So, Mm-hmm. It, it's the it's the really shit teams. You you can't. Like, you it's know, beating United seven 0 and then going and losing one 0 to Bournemouth. Yeah, that, that's, the that's what we've got to stop. Losing to Bournemouth, losing to fucking. Um, we lost at Brentford, didn't we? Um, Forest away. Forest Leeds at home. You, you can't do that. You you can't be getting beat by teams that are getting relegated. So, put those teams to the sword and straight away. Yeah, if you if you're taking care of what you should be taking care of. Top four should be a given, really, with the players that we've got. I just don't know if we can go higher than that. I mean, we spoke about the defending. You've got to cut that out, the one ball over the top, and, and teams are scoring. So that's like that's an easy win if you can stop doing that. Um, I'd get Mo off pens as well. That's another thing I'd yeah. be doing. We've got McAllister now. You know, I think Sobers like can take pens as well. I, I wouldn't be letting Mo anywhere near penalties. I'd say, no, enough's enough. So these things all should help us improve. And I don't see like us not finishing top four, but it'll be a, a struggle to finish higher than fourth. Uh, as for it, who goes down, um, this is tricky because there's quite a few like teams who, who on paper, look like they're going to be really shit. Um, Luton, you'd think that they're going to be shit, but I don't know. I think they might have a bit about them. They might be a surprise package like Brentford a couple of years ago and... Um, Sheffield United when they came up, you know, I think they they might be better than people give them credit for. Um, I think Sheffield United will go straight back down. I think Wolves might be in trouble, mm. and I'm definitely going with Everton. Obviously, there's no way I'm not going to pick Everton because the worst than they were <laughs> last year. They get worse every year, so <laughs> eventually that's going to catch up with them, and there's not going to be three teams worse than them. Uh, so I'm going to go Everton, I'm going to go Sheffield United and toss up between 
um, between Wolves and Luton, and I'm gonna go Luton. Okay, Dan. Uh, I think Liverpool will finish fifth. I don't think we're good enough to get into the top four at the moment. Uh, I think that our problems in midfield, where we don't control the game enough, will will come back to haunt us this season. Um, I thought that was a big problem. Um, one of the, the several big problems we had last season where we just didn't control the game and I think you'll find that the, as the season goes on um, we will be in roller coaster games where we win 4-3 against Jabronis because Jabronis will just keep hitting the ball over the top which is our weakness and scoring um, so I think that the kind of game takes its toll on you in the end I, and I don't know why it is but Thursday, Sunday causes league difficulties unless we just completely rotate the team and I, I would be all for that. We should. We, mm. we absolutely should. Um, because the, the, some of the teams we'll be playing in that group stage, uh, you know, like we, we should be beating those with our under-19s teams. And that's not being disrespectful. It's just how it should be. So I would hope that won't be a factor, but it, it always could be. But I'm not feeling hugely confident. Of course, um, that could change you know, with a matter of a few signings. Um, I... I, I don't know. It put a huge asterisk to that. At the moment, as it stands, I think we'll be fifth. I think we'll miss out on the top four because I don't think we've taken enough strides forward and we've let teams who we let get ahead of us last season go a bit further. You know, Arsenal have, have got a lot stronger and I don't think we've matched them stride for stride. They, they were already a good team. I think they've become a, a better one. Uh, Declan Rice is an absolutely magnificent footballer. Do you think the pressure's on them a bit this year, though, Dan? Like... People have seen are going to see him coming this year, and if it doesn't go well for them out the gate, then like things generally speaking went really well for Arsenal last season until that like very very last sort of couple of months of the season. They had super luck with injuries. I think that injury they had to Jesus was the only really thing that set them back. I I I'm not, I'm not as bullish on them as everybody else is to be honest. Like I think that they. Same. They sure. might struggle a little bit. That's 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 fair. I I think they'll be in the top four. But if they let's just say that they do have an off, you know, like they're not as strong as they were last season. Chelsea won't be as bad as they were last season. So that kind of cancels it out. I'm not saying that Chelsea will hit the heights that Arsenal did last season, but you, you get my point. It's another top four arrival. So that's that's my concern. That other teams have got stronger, and we have, as Dave said, right at the top. Our squad is probably weaker than it was last season. Um, so for me at the moment it's fifth unless things change. Um, in terms of the bottom, oh, it's 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 going to be quite tough down there I reckon. So I would suggest that I think Luton and Sheffield United will go. Uh, I was thinking Wolves as well, but they've appointed um, Gary O'Neill today because um, that Lopetegui we wanted out pretty much as soon as he started. So obviously something's not right there, but he did a great all his job. Players and not letting them buy anyone. Yeah. He, Gary O'Neill did a great job with Bournemouth, who in my opinion bonkers to let him go, but um, they did. So I will say Sheffield United, um, Luton, and Bournemouth. I think Bournemouth will get sucked in because I, I mean the, the the new manager they've got might be the best thing since sliced bread, like the guy at Brighton. Um, odds are that that won't be the case. I also think that um, but the guy at Brighton that kept Everton off me. That, 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 oh, no. Dan, oh, move Dan, on. What have you done? Yeah, I'm not having this <laughs> fucking slapping of the Zerbi. I'm not having it. 
<laughs> I, I do think that Burnley will struggle as well. I don't think they'll go down, but they will be bottom five or six. Totally and, forgot uh, about them. <laughs> and and um, but they're spending for Burnley standards quite a big money, and um, they seem to have changed the team that Sean Dyche had for five or six years, where they didn't have any other players other than the starting. Yeah, they're 11. all in Everton now. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no substitutions, no nothing. Just Burnley starting eleven, and Sean Dyche week in week out. Uh, I also think Forest will be down there again. It's not really saying much. Uh, and I think Crystal Palace will struggle. Sorry, John. I know that that won't go down very well, but they lots of Yeah, they lost, they lost Zaha now, haven't they? And the Hodgson effect might finally come to an end. Mm-hmm. Yeah, they've, they've lost Zaha and they don't have many good players. They, they, I do like uh, Guehi, the centre-half. I love Alisa, the, the, mid, the winger. Uh, I would, if, he, if he could play... Uh, a little bit more centrally, I, I would be interested in him, in fact. Um, but it looks like he's going to Chelsea or Man City if he goes anywhere. Because what what the Chelsea need but more players. Um, so, yeah. So, my, my bottom three, long story short, Chris, is um, Luton, Sheffield United and Bournemouth. Okay, nice. Uh, Brownie, go ahead. Right. Uh, Buzz, I'm going for third. I wouldn't rule out second. I think it depends what we do in the next few weeks. Um, one of the reasons to say that is, touching on what you said there, Chris, about Arsenal. If you think about this time last year, I think everyone was saying the same thing. It's going to be Liverpool and City again. It's going to be Liverpool and City again. And we saw what happened there. Everyone's saying it's going to be City and the only team who can push them is Arsenal. So I've just got a little bit of a feeling that they're going to drop off a little bit. It's It's harder to back it up. When you do that, you know, they've had so many years in the wilderness, haven't they? Everyone's expecting mm-hmm. they're just going to keep it going. I don't think, I think they'll find it harder. So they'll possibly drop off a little bit. Uh, in terms of us, why I think we'll finish third and possibly even second. But although I've got concerns about us defensively, we've already said about how many goals I think we're going to score. And I think we're going to do better with set pieces as well, because that new lad looks really good at set pieces. Um, I think we were towards the top end of set piece goals anyway last year. So I, I can see us. Yeah, so I can see us doing even better there and that'll, to a degree, compensate for some of the goals that we let in the other end. So I think we'll actually do a little bit better than some people are thinking. Um, the rest of the top four, I think Arsenal will get in the top four. City, obviously, will win the league. I don't see anyone challenging them. And fourth, you know, take your pick. Uh, no idea. Yeah. Like, could be Chelsea or United, probably. Don't have any concerns about anyone else. But Newcastle is a funny one, isn't it? It's a similar thing with Arsenal, I think, with Newcastle. Hard one to know. Um, they've got Champions League football to deal with, so that's going to be difficult for them um, to, to kind of compete on both fronts, I think. So, yeah, that's top four. Um, bottom three, Bournemouth, Luton and Wolves for me. Bournemouth, I don't know anything about their manager. I would echo what Dan said about Gary O'Neill. That was ridiculous after what he did for them. Mm-hmm. Um Luton, I've saw a little bit of them. But you're predicting Wolves will go down. <laughs> yeah, Wolves will go only because they're bringing them in, what, two or three days before yeah, the season yeah. starts? And well, they came in at Bournemouth in October or whatever, whenever it was, after we beat them, nine, <laughs> yeah. after we beat Bournemouth 9-0. So yeah, he's got yeah. more time than he had last year. He was already yeah. there, though, wasn't he? He was the, he was the assistant coach. He was the mm. assistant manager or one of the coaches. But they're losing like a load of players and they're not able to replace them as well. So mm. I think it's a general malaise across the whole of the club there, um, which is going to cost them, I think. I mean, to, to Dave's point, though, I think it was Dave who said that there's so many candidates, isn't it, to go down when you look at it. You can make a case for almost half of yeah. the league. I forgot about Bournemouth and Burnley. 
And yeah. Forest. I, I, th- I think Burnley will be all right. Forest. Yeah, I think uh, Burnley will be all right. I wasn't mm-hmm. thinking about Forest, and then as soon as it, Dan mentioned it, I thought, oh yeah, because they really struggled at times, mm-hmm. didn't they? And I think they've lost a few players as well. So, um, but yeah, I'll go with Luton, Wolves, and Bournemouth bottom three. Okay. Not well, I'll start with fortunately. The... Yeah, they're not going anywhere. They'll, they'll, they'll be a little bit more stable <laughs> this year, Everton. I think they'll they'll finish comfortably like fourteenth or fifteenth or something. They won't have any sort of. They won't go into April, I don't think, with threat of relegation. I think they'll be all right. Have you seen this um, squad? It doesn't matter. Deitch, though, like he'll he'll do, he'll just Young's do enough. Ashley Old's the big signing. Ashley Old. He's the big signing. They'll be fine. Like you, like I hate to do it to you in on August the eighth, but they'll be fine. Like just don't just don't do it to yourself, please. Just once, just don't do it to yourself. No, I just I, hate I'm seeing myself so out there to be hurt again. I don't care. <sighs> Mate, you're worse than like an England football fan going into the World Cup <laughs> thinking this is going to be our year. But for me, the bottom three, I think it's pretty self-explanatory, really. I think Burnley might be that team that, that has the good season and finishes in the top half. Um, I think it's going to be Sheffield United, Luton, and I'm going to say Bournemouth. That's To me, that's the obvious three without really trying to deviate from many, you know, like to try and be contrary. In terms of, the, in terms of our position... I honestly think that we could finish anywhere from second to sixth or seventh. <laughs> it's it, it no, it's it's difficult. It's really really difficult to predict. I I do think that like, um, we'll, we can finish. We can comfortably finish above Newcastle. We could comfortably finish above Man United. Um, we could finish above Chelsea. Um, if I had to, if I had to put money on it, I would say we'll finish fourth. Right. That'd be, but I honestly don't. I don't know where it's going. It could be. It could be a season where we kind of bounce back and 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 show some balls and reannounce this second coming of a Jurgen Klopp Liverpool team. Or it could be the fact that the transfer business will actually catch up with us and we can't overcome that. So, um, who knows? All I will say is, last season we finished fifth, four points off the Champions League, having lost nine games and drawn ten and won nineteen. So we didn't win as many as we did win. Um, I think that I think we'll be better than we were last season for sure in terms of like the amount of points we get, and you don't have to be that good to get top four. Really, you don't, like you said it for most of last season, Dave. You can be pretty shit. You can have major weaknesses, yeah. and you can limp into the top four. So I think that there's a chance that we'll a pretty good chance that we'll do that. Um, there's an important I, point you know, that I, we haven't spoken about, Chris. Sorry to interrupt, only because I, 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 I made a note in my head to mention it. Are you going to say the fifth it's place thing? Fifth place, yes. It's likely yeah. that it's going to be top five, isn't it? It's just because a few of us right. have mentioned top four, but there's a good chance that's mm-hmm. actually going to be top five going into this season. Yeah. So it's an important point to uh, note. Yeah. And, th- you know, I think it's important as well to say that there's another possible avenue back into the European Cup for us as well. If we go and win that Europa League, which we... We should have a good showing in, really, and English clubs have traditionally sort of got to the semi-finals and the sem- and the final of that tournament in the last few years. So there's no real reason why we can't go into really, really well in that. And isn't the final in Dublin as well? Yeah, it is. I think yeah, wouldn't that I, be? I a think that the big treat? question now is uh, severe, isn't it? Because if they are, then forget it. We're not winning. <laughs> <it. laughs> no, I think they're in the Champions League, but they, they might they drop into it. And, yeah. 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 So yeah, they'll go out in the group stages deliberately. Yeah. <laughs> Just so we can win their trophy again. We'll see them in February. Fair enough. Yeah, can't deny them that, really. Um, so we've got some predictions for the other lads. Before I before I do that, I want to get 
Uh, just another one quickly from you guys. Um, Dave, who's going to be our most important player this season? Trent. Branny. McAllister. Dan. Um, Mo Salah. Okay, nice. And will we win a trophy, Dave? Mm, yes. Probably the Europa League. All right. Brownie? Yes. Care to say which one? Uh, League Cup. All right. Oh, man. <laughs> Dan? Uh, yeah, I think we'll win the Europa League because we, you can get to the quarterfinals of that without breaking a sweat, to be honest. Okay. Nice. Um, I'm going to say our most important player is Virgil. If he can come back and be anything like the imperious nature that he had in his first four or five years here, was like, I guess like four years, Yeah. four years, then, then we're, we'll be, we'll go a long way to solving a lot of our problems. Um, and I think we'll win the Europa League. So, um, yeah, we do have some predictions from the other lads. We've got John B, Paul, Jules, Stu, John G and Terry McDonald. And so we'll play those now and we'll be back in a sec. So I think we'll finish uh, top four. Uh, next season and you know maybe even a uh, top two uh, for a few reasons we can't be as bad as we were last season and we still finish fifth uh, the area we need to really improve is away from home we lost eight times last season so I'm sure we can do much better than that it's going to be a big season at the back as well Virgil needs a big one uh, especially as captain hopefully the new signings will hit the ground running too and if they do we have a great chance Nunes needs to come to life as well. Give Mo a hand. Uh, Jota has looked really good in pre-season, so I think uh, goals will be no problem. And uh, no European football, no European Cup football uh, could really help us. So I think we'll be top four uh, with City, United and Arsenal. And I think uh, Bournemouth, uh, Luton and Sheffield United are candidates for the drop. I think our season is going to be... Quite exciting. I think it's going to be lots of goals, but I think it's going to be a little bit mad as well. Um, the number six issue is obviously a problem, and not convinced by the new system defensively. Um, top four, City, inevitably again, I think. Um, I'm going to go wildly optimistically, us second, Arsenal third, and the Manx fourth. Um, I think Newcastle will slip away and I think Chelsea are just still a basket case um, bottom three um, I think it's going to be Luton Sheffield United simply because those two budget wise have got absolutely nothing and um, Everton because <laughs> at some point it's got to happen um, although my head actually says Dyche is the best person to start to pull them away from all of that um, but they're so mad they'll probably sack him by September. Um, so yeah, those will be predictions for the season. Top four: Manchester City, Arsenal. It's a pick and one from three from Liverpool, Chelsea, uh, Manchester United. I think Newcastle will probably fall out because I don't think everyone will be as bad as they were last year. I don't think Spurs are going to have enough about them to get into the top four. Relegation. Uh, I would think that. Two of the three promoted sides will go down, likely Sheffield United and Luton. 
Although Luton could be the Brentford, but I doubt it. I think Wolves are outside favourites to go down. They've had an awful off-season. And they've had to replace their manager the week of the new season. They've sold half their players. Uh, and you always hope for Everton to go down. Now then, Reds, prediction time. So, here are mine. Uh, City are going to win the league again. I don't think anyone's catching them, cheating bastards. So, yeah, City are going to win the league. I think second and third will be fought out between us and Arsenal. I think we're going to be bonkers this year, um, but I think we might be top scorers. I think we've got you've probably got four players that could all do twenty goals in the se- in the season. So, yeah, we'll probably be mad. I'd put us maybe second, Arsenal third because they look a pretty serious side still. United probably squeezing in fourth because Tottenham and Chelsea not really sure what they are. I'm not sure Villa are going to get there. Uh, Villa probably win the, the Europa Conference League. I would have thought that's pretty nailed on. Going down, I've got Luton, Sheffield United. Can't see any way that they're not the bottom two. And probably going to be the Blues. It looks, unless they do some work, I've got Everton probably as the third team to go down. Uh, Fancy us to win the Europa League as well. I think we're probably strong in that. We're probably going to be the strongest side in it. So I'd have us down for that. So there you go. That is exactly what's going to happen this season. So remortgage the house, sell the pets, sell the kids, pour the money on it, but obviously bet responsibly up the Reds. As of right now, with the window still having what uh, three weeks or so left, um, I'm probably expecting no better than fourth place for Liverpool. Um, don't think we've strengthened anywhere near enough as what we were hoping and expecting to. So that is a bit of a worry. Um, I think we'll be exciting. We'll score plenty of goals, but I do worry about the structure of the team defensively as well. I think we'll have some kamikaze games uh, akin to maybe when Klopp first took over. Uh, Regarding the rest of the top four, um, it's probably going to be City, Arsenal, probably United. Uh, I think we'll be in a scrap for fourth with um, maybe Chelsea. to go down, probably, well, Sheffield United are absolutely nailed on to go down, bottom by some distance. I think Luton will give it a good fish, but ultimately quality will tell. And I'm not going to choose Everton because, you know, they're like cockroaches could survive a nuclear war. It just won't happen. Um, so I'm probably going to go Wolves for the last relegation place. Right, so I don't really hold out much hope for us for next season, um, given that we've made a complete shambles. Of this me- this rebuild we're meant to be having, um, I'm gonna have us down as possibly fifth or sixth, um, fighting fifth and sixth out with Newcastle. Top four, unfortunately, gonna be City. Um, probably just like steamrolling in again. City top. Arsenal second. I think they've signed some good players. Properly built on what they had last season, unlike some other teams. Um, and then Chelsea and United probably finishing the top four. I think Luton straight back down, Sheffield United to join them, and finally, finally, hopefully, everything crossed, Everton. Please, God, let it be this season. So, some interesting thoughts from the lads there. Uh, Dave, I noticed that nobody's picked us to win the league for the first time in four or five years, I guess, which is sobering in itself. Um, But before we can talk about what we're going to achieve this season, uh, we're going to Stamford Bridge on Sunday for the first game of the season. 
on paper, sort of, it might be nice to get them early before Pochettino really gets to get them in any rhythm or anything. But by the same token, if you tell us historically that you're going to start the season with an away game at Stamford Bridge, it's not really ideal. No, I, I'm still in shock, to be honest, that Paul didn't tip us to win the league. <laughs> <laughs> but um, no, I, we've had this conversation like in the chat a few times, like Stu keeps saying best time to play Chelsea and all that and I said to him today I said well yeah but there's probably like a Chelsea group chat where they're saying you know this is the best time to be playing Liverpool before like we actually get out the rest of our signings in assuming we are going to get some in um, and we're leaking goals all over the place in pre-season so yeah anything could happen on Sunday I just think um, two teams who are not the finished article I think it's going to be a high scoring game uh, I just gotta hope that like we take more chances than they do because they are gonna create chances. There's no way we're going there and keeping it tight. I just don't think we've got that in us. I think most of this season is gonna be a case of us scoring more. But that's how we're gonna win games. It's like, well, we're just gonna have to outscore you, uh, and we do have the firepower to do that. Which that's if if Chelsea's lacking anywhere really, it's it's goal scorers, isn't it? Whereas we've got them like all over the place and we've got like five forwards in form i mean i tell you what we haven't even mentioned uh another forward we've not even mentioned him yet and he's been fucking electric in pre-season ben doke mm-hmm. i mean that kid is he's something else he's gonna be like absolutely sensational um and i think he'll play more this season than, than maybe people yeah. expect him to is I'll, he mo's back up now then i think he is mo's back up i think he yeah. played the europa league games because we, we want to Want to give Mo the night off? I think, yeah, yeah. play him. He, he looks good enough. Why wouldn't you? Why wouldn't you play him? He, he looks absolutely He's got an unbelievable knack of being able to just walk past like yeah. seasoned, experienced players, hasn't he? That's yeah. like, and the thing I like about him is you, the game's become pretty boring and predictable as time's gone on in terms of like there's all these patterns of play and it's all about yeah. probing and yeah. that kind of play is almost like a dying breed aren't yeah. they where you just give them the ball and you say right go on run at him and, and it, it just causes mayhem as soon as he gets the ball everyone's like okay what's he going to do you're on the edge yeah, of your yeah. seat like wondering what he's going to do and defenders aren't used to people running at them how many times do you see even mm. like the best players get the ball and just lay it off he doesn't lay it off <laughs> he gets it he isolates you and he just attacks you and, and if he like lays it off pressure. it's because he wants a one-two and he, he wants to run in behind it back, anyway. yeah. and it's that pace over like two or three yards yeah. in it, which is frightening for any defender like low center of gravity against, he hate that quick so, over yeah. a few yards and the other thing that he does and I, I, I not really noticed it as much until recently and it's like every time he's dribbling now he uses his left foot to dribble he's right-footed but when he's dribbling he mostly uses his left foot and i think that just bamboozles defenders because it's not it's not something that's like typical of somebody you know who's who's playing on the right right footed player, and he's using his left foot, and I think that maybe gives him that little half a yard, which is he just goes past people. They just they're not getting near him. You can go either way, though, can't yeah. you? That's the problem as a defender. Like a lot of the wingers you come up against, you know what the strong side is, so you'll force them onto the weak side. But with him, if you do that, he'll just run away from you. So you've, <laughs> it, it's really difficult to defend against when someone gets you because the moment you're caught square, you can just go either side yeah. and then you're screwed. So could be a breakout season. And I moment. think we're going to see a lot of like 10-minute cameos from him. Because yeah. I think yeah. It, yeah. he'll be on the bench more often than not. And I do think it's one of them where like if the game's 
if the game's going well, you bring him more off, give him a bit of a rest, and he's coming on and he's getting like ten minutes in in games where we're, we're, we're dominating and hopefully a few goals up. But I also think you'd you'd bring him on if you needed a goal. You know, if like if you've got mm-hmm. teams with these those situations when you're playing a shit team. And it's like they've got the backs to the wall and they're frustrating you and it's nil-nil or, or like we're getting beat one-nil, whatever. Just bringing somebody like him on who just does something completely different, unpredictable, yeah. not what they, well, not what anyone wants to face. I think he'll he'll play a big part. Not on Sunday. I'm not expecting him to be involved too much on Sunday. Uh, but I do think he's going to have like a big part to play this season. I mean, for me, Dave, I think you've spent as much time watching... Liverpool youth football as, as anybody out there really like the years we spent at the academy what, watching players you know the under 16s and the under 18s when it was when it was that team but you know yeah. I, I have one major question about Ben Doak which perhaps you can address really is um, you know can he play six <laughs> unfortunately no <laughs> damn it no but but seriously though can he like in terms of the prospects that you've seen down the years like how highly do you rate him compared to some of the ones that have made it and some um, of the ones that we were quite high on that actually were nowhere near when it came down to it I'd, I'd actually I'd put him second only to Michael Owen Michael, Owen was, like, Michael Owen was like fucking light years ahead of any youth player I've ever seen he was just unbelievable but I'm not. I'm not going back to Gerard because I didn't really see that much of Gerard because he was injured for a lot of the time when he was a kid. He just kind of went like from like the under 16s, few reserve games, and then he was in the first team. So I'm not really counting Gerard. But like from from Owen onwards, I haven't seen anybody better than than Bendo. He's better than Raheem Sterling at that age. Okay. Not not miles better than him. I'm not saying he's like he's he's blowing him away or anything. You know, Sterling was like really good. You could tell he was going to make it. I think Ben Doak's a little bit better than Sterling, uh, mainly because he can shoot. Sterling's never been able to shoot his little powder puff shots. Like, um, <laughs> no, uh, I think he is that good. He's like he's he's special. He really is. That now, is one point though about where you've mentioned about shooting. He's I got to score more goals. It's all going to come down to his end product, and it that's what yeah. you get judged on there. I the, the I say Woody. It's not Woody. Is he still seventeen? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, you can't <laughs> you can't expect him to come in and just suddenly master the art of creating chances. You know what I mean? It's a really difficult thing to do. That comes with time and maturity and minutes on the pitch. I think we're going to probably see loads of examples where he skins players for fun, and then you're just like, God, if he just picked that pass out, you know, that that kind of thing. But he, he needs games, basically, doesn't he? This is going to be the season where he gets some minutes and then he starts to develop that mm-hmm. part of his game. Yeah. yeah. Good, good. Well, damn, that definitely couldn't cope with him last night. He just took the he piss, was, didn't he? It, it, yeah, that, when, when he came on the... The left back was was repeatedly sent to Argos. Mm-hmm. Um, he, you know, he, he was all over the place. He didn't he didn't get near him. I was going to ask you what that looked like in the ground, actually, Dan, because it's a bit different sometimes, isn't it? When you he's electric the versus the, the telly. Yeah, he, he is electric. Um, he is, and we've spoken about. This, he's so confident. Nothing phases him. He's just like, give me the ball, give me the ball. He's running into channels. He's not afraid to take anyone on it, and he was squaring that left back up so many times. I mean, and damn stat worked great. Uh, let's be honest, but and they would they made changes at that point as well. But wow, he, he ran them ragged, and it was great to watch. It was great entertainment. I really enjoyed it, and I hope to see more of it in competitive games. Certainly, um, FC Dog and Duck and 
Kig and Whistle RC or whoever we draw in the Europa League are in for some nasty nights off him. And what an option he would be, in all seriousness, I'm, I'm being disrespectful to the Europa League as usual, but in, in all seriousness, what an option he could be to play on the break in a tight game later on in, in, yeah. in the league. And perhaps it's good, you know, long term that we are, we are in this in, in that competition this year because it will give us the opportunity to to give to give players games and to move them along at a slightly faster pace than we might have done. But you know, like speaking of being electric um, and having you know an electric summer, I heard you took a fifer in the cricket this summer. So congratulations on that. Oh, thank you. Yeah. Um, unfortunately, it did count in the end. The game didn't count because it was rained off. But the uh, the figures existed. So yes, five for five nice. off five. Nice. All right. Beautiful. Uh, there's, there's, there's one thing I, I want to mention, Chris, just before we wrap up. Um, um, what what do we all think about this new injury time edict? Personally, if it roots out the likes of Crystal Palace and Burnley and Everton from wasting 25 minutes of a 90-minute match, I'm all for it, but it's going to cause some real, real like problems with people getting out of the ground and whatnot because some of these games are going to go 100 minutes. Brownie, do you want to take that one? I think it's bollocks, to be totally honest with you. Right? Don't get me wrong. <laughs> Anything we can do to, to weed out time-wasting, then sound yeah. But I don't think this is the way to do it. Um, the, the reason I don't like it is we get to the, the start of seasons every year and they come up with new fucking rules, don't they? And new things that they're going to focus mm-hmm. on. And how long did they last? Can you remember last year? Oh yeah, we're gonna let the game flow more now, so we're not gonna give uh, fouls for all little things. We'll let it go, and and he did that, didn't he, for about two or three months? Well, he did it all season when it, it was mo. <laughs> well, yeah, that's true. <laughs> but generally speaking, it stopped. Yeah. And we had the uh, we always go back to the Mascherano one, respect the yeah. referee and all that, and that lasted about five minutes. Or the six second goalkeeper thing, and Minley yeah, was the only one who ever got penalised for it. like yeah. it's just a fucking fad, and it, I don't think it's the way to go about stamping out the the. Um, Time wasting. No, that, that should yellow just be yellow cards, cards. yellow cards, and red cards. It ignores the big issue. It ignores yes. the major issue. Like the fact that I think Paul always says this is that you can play as many minutes as you want, but it's not going to discourage time wasting. It's because it's all about yeah. about breaking up the flow of the game. And if if teams can continue to do that, they'll happily play for 110 minutes. Yeah. You know, because yeah. they can just keep doing it for that entire time, and teams can't get momentum and. You're left in a situation where you still have you have the same putrid, broken up, like unsatisfactory experience from an entertainment point of view, from a neutral point of view. It just goes on for longer. Hey boys, yeah. do you remember that Villa game last season? I don't think we spoke about that, you know. Oh, no. What happened in that? <laughs> the, the funny thing about this is, like, one of the cliches you hear footy fans say is, like, oh, we could have played for two days and not scored. It's like, well, we're going to fucking find out now. Yeah. <laughs> I think he needs to start just giving that uh, Martinez from Villa, though. Just give him his yellow card in the tunnel just to save time. Yeah, there you go. Because if they're doing it properly, then he's going to be getting booked in like the first minute of every game. Right. I just had like a real, I just had a mad flash forward to this time next year when that joke that Brownie just cracked is just like, it's a joke that it's, it's something that Dave has been going on about for fucking months and months <laughs> ad nausea, like solidly. And everybody groans when they hear him start going on about it. It's like, oh no, what have you done? <laughs> what have you done getting him started on that? Like, what's it, what's it going to be this year, Dave? Can you can you predict it for yourself? Uh, Fish tanks. Oh, Fish I, t- 
<laughs> I don't know because I, I, I can't see into the future, but I'd say like the time wasting is is going to be a big thing yeah. because I just don't think the referees are going to. As you said, they're missing the point. Adding the time on is not really fixing the problem. It's just all it's doing, right? Like say they had like twelve minutes. Say let's take the Villa game last season because I didn't really get to talk about that much. <laughs> but no, if we take that Villa game, let's say you added fifteen minutes on to the end of that game. The only thing you're actually achieving is giving us fifteen minutes more fucking misery of just watching yeah. them taking the piss. That's all it is. You're not like solving any problem. You're just making it even worse by making us watch it for an extra 15 minutes because they were just going to carry on doing what they were doing. Because why wouldn't you? It's like they'll do that for an extra 15 minutes, an extra half an hour, whatever you want to do. That's what Villa are going to do unless you deal with it by yellow carding the goalkeeper in the first half. As soon as he starts doing it, you warn him. When he does it again, it's a yellow card. And if he carries on doing it, then you send him off. You have the balls to actually do it. And no referees do it. That's why they always wait till like the 86th, 87th minute before they finally book goalkeepers who've been doing it for the entire game. The only reason mm-hmm. they do that is to save themselves the situation where they might have to give them a second yellow if they do it early on. Yeah. And yeah. it's partly like I'm saying it's the referees have got no balls. In fairness, it's, it's probably because they're told that's how they've got to do it. And, and you've got fucking Howard Webb in charge now. So, you know, the, any any notion that things might actually get better, no, forget that. Not while he's in charge. You know, the, mm-hmm. next season, I think it's probably going to be more moaning about refs and time wasting and VAR fuck ups and all of that. It's just going to get worse because Howard Webb's running the show. Yeah. And we've also got the thing to worry about with, you know, like it was it was exploited to the nth degree last year. And if you started clamping down on time wasting in other ways, you'd get that head injury finaglery where people just fucking take the piss on that as well. Like you bring in a, you bring in a rule that is needed for the the player safety reasons that's been overlooked for decades and decades and decades. And the first reaction of the, of the managers, of the teams that are trying to waste time is just exploit it for like shitty little ends. So like, it's difficult, you know, they can, they can change the rules wherever they want that people are going to find new ways to exploit them. And, um, I just know that the solution isn't playing 110 minute fucking games. Like fuck that. Can I put forward, can I put forward a revolutionary solution to keep referees, officials, incompetent morons, managers and players out of it? Is this a godfather solution, Dan? It can be. Stop conceding the first goal. Stop. Simple. Stop conceding the first goal because if you do yeah, that, you re- you, you remove the time wasting them because you, they. And I, I'm not going to call Villa bums because they're not. They're a good team and they've got a very good manager who's well organised and knows what he's doing. At this Especially level. now they got rid of that bum of a manager who's now operating in Saudi Arabia. <laughs> yes, so quite. It. Yes, he who should not be named. Um, so, so Villa, you know, I'm not, I'm not. We'll just use Villa. No, no. Let's just use Everton as, as an example because the manager is very, very effective at time wasting. Don't concede first against Everton, and Everton's plan is well, shit. You know, if if we score early, their plan goes out the window because they can't time waste. It's not even about like obviously, the under Lampard, the the Merseyside derby at Anfield was. Re- Ridiculous for Pickford time wasting. Yeah, and we'll never forget Alisson diving onto the floor in the ninetieth minute. They weren't actually that bad last season, and and I think part of that was because Newcastle was so bad that it made Everton seem like quite reasonable. Because Newcastle was just fucking next level. Carvalho picked picked that that winner in the last minute. That never has before has a goal been so justified. Mm. 
But what I was going to say, and Dan, you'll know more about this, is like, you know, if you go about like the head injury situation where like they're stopping the game as soon as a player's holding his head. Well, in rugby, they just let the trainer come on, don't they? They don't stop the mm-hmm. game. The trainer just runs on for a head injury. Maybe that's what you've got to do. It's like if a player's got a head injury, just let the physio run on straight away to deal with it and let the game carry on. Yeah, um, it, it's don't get me wrong. The rule is is exploited in in rugby league as well because you, you have players going off for a head injury assessment, which is basically a free substitution for I think it's five minutes, and then if that player fails their their head injury assessment, they are out for the rest of the game. Uh, I, I do think it is a plague on football. People going down, clutching the head, um, but. You know, you can't go waving yellow cards around for it if you know for time wasting because if someone is genuinely hurt, mm. and it's the boy who cried wolf. One of these days, someone is going to get a sparkle, and you know, like, there'll be a, a delayed, delayed reaction to it because everyone's thinking, "Oh, what's he done this time?" You know, like why is he rolling around? He's been rolling around for the last twenty minutes. Um, so it, it's it's a huge balancing act. Um, but you're right, rugby does have things in place. It also punishes people who find an injury by means of a green card, um, which means if you get a green card, is you know, you've Make them go and live in America. To, pardon? <laughs> Make them go and live in America. Is that, is that what well, that? yeah, the, the punishment must be more severe than go and live in America. Alternatively, they have to go off the field for two minutes, so you're down to, down to 12 men for two minutes. Fuck, why wasn't I given that option? I, I was going to say, how much play acting did you have to do, Chris, to get your green yeah, I was say, what did you do? Jesus Christ, man. If I'd have known that there was the option to just like stay away from Anfield for two minutes, I <laughs> would have just done that instead. <laughs> no, never mind. I'm very happy here. Um, so, coming into the game on Sunday, um, Dave, have you got a prediction for us? Are we going to win? Who's going to score? How's it going to play out? Are we going to play well? Uh, I want to say that we're going to win, but I've just got this nagging feeling that we're going to lose like 3 2 or something like that. It, hmm. Stupid goals given away, not converting enough of our chances. It's just going to be a shootout and we'll be on the wrong end of it. But um, I don't know. I can't bring myself to tip us to lose first game of the season, even though that's what I'm thinking. So I'll go for us to shade it 3 2. Okay. Bernie? I'm going for a draw. Um... I was going to use the same word as Dave in terms of shootout. I think it's going to be a high score and draw. And I think most people come away from it uh, looking at both teams and just thinking that's two pretty flawed teams. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Dan? i uh, got a bad feeling that we're going to lose. Uh, Potichino is a very good manager. Our record against him is not too great. Obviously, European Cup final notwithstanding um, so uh, I don't know May- maybe a draw maybe a one-all draw actually I'll, I'll go on the I'll err on the side of positivity and I'll say it'll be a draw but I, I don't think we'll win I, I-, I don't think um, we'll-, we'll defend well enough for a, a-, a win at the moment but a, a draw 1-1 one, one. Yeah, okay I'm going to go with some sort of high scoring high scoring draw that leaves us feeling better about it than than worse about it um, just because I've been sort of like a little bit of a voice of positivity for a change in this podcast, apart from when it comes to Big Jorg and his <laughs> face. I was going to say, you what? Yeah. Um, but yeah, like, uh, lads, <laughs> we're, we're getting ready for... <laughs> Big Jorg just spat his vape out listening to that. <laughs> <laughs> I'd apologise, but I wouldn't mean it, so fuck him. Um, so yeah, we, we're ready to start another season. This promises to be one of the most sort of 
unpredictable, uneventful, perhaps might be, even be enjoyable going back to those early Klopp days of just that five fours and the four threes and just trying to outshoot teams and figuring out along the way. Um, I kind of feel like the pressure's off us a little bit this year. Like sometimes I go into these seasons feeling, oh man, if you draw the one of the first two games and that's the league gone, well, we're obviously not going to be feeling like that this year. So yeah. I'm prepared to just sort of like go into it, have some fun, enjoy it, enjoy doing the podcasts and everything. And um, as always, we really appreciate your support. This is, I think this is the third year now we're going into it. Yeah. And the numbers continue to tick upwards in the right direction. So as long as you stick with us, we'll keep recording these podcasts after every game and after every sort of major event that happens with the club. Um, Dave and the boys will be back on Sunday um, pretty soon after the game. But until then, we'll catch you soon. The best word I can say, but uh, we'll describe this was boom. (laughs) 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 What was this? It was really good.